I'm Jocelyn K. Gly, and this is Hurry Slowly, a podcast about pacing yourself, where I explore how you can find more calm, comfort, and clarity through the simple act of slowing down. In the spirit of the approaching holidays, I decided to collect stories about the strange gifts of 2020 for this episode. Now, it goes without saying that 2020 has been an incredibly trying, disorienting, and painful year. During the past nine months in which we were all wearing masks, so much was unmasked. We've seen many dark truths about ourselves and our country that we cannot unsee. But I wanted to shed some light on the good that has been uncovered as well. So I asked my newsletter readers to respond to this question. How have you transmuted the challenges you faced this past year into an insight or idea that has changed your perspective for the better? What strange gifts have you mined from the hardship of 2020? I received more responses than I could include in this episode, but each one moved me. And many wrote to say that they were grateful for the prompt to be asked to reflect on 2020 through a more hopeful lens. So if you enjoyed this episode, you might consider journaling response to that question yourself to see what emerges. What strange gifts have you mined from the challenges of 2020? What follows is an edited collection of answers to this question from the community, interwoven with reflection and commentary from me. I should note that I don't want this episode to come off as overly Pollyanna-ish. I know many among us are completely absorbed in this moment with just getting by or with grieving or with juggling a million different concerns. Those people didn't write me an email. They have no time to go mining for a silver lining and all the wreckage that 2020 has wrought. For those of you listening who find yourself in a more fortunate position, I ask that you please stay tuned to the end of the episode for details on how you can lend a hand to the fellow humans navigating severe hardship who could use your support right now. Okay, that's enough preamble. Let's dive in. This is a story of a strange gift from an anonymous listener in Canada. He writes, I am a person living with disability, specifically chronic illness, and the world has now become paradoxically more accessible for me now that everything is online. The energy of physically going to many different locations or not being able to properly take care of my needs while away from home has been transformed into perpetual accessibility. I've been able to take part in an online yoga teacher training, start two small internet businesses, mentor someone, meet with a group of friends every week for game night, and many, many more, all because of this accessibility. I've heard similar things from my other friends with disabilities. We hope the accessibility of the modern world to those with different needs persists after the need to socially distance passes. Thank you for the story. And while I often speak out against the negative impacts of technology, I think 2020 has prompted many of us to engage more deeply with its possibilities and to see how it can help us build a new social fabric and connect in ways and across distances that we never imagined. Let's move on to Anya from Cologne, Germany, who writes, I lost my business in March after I literally went into February thinking how nice to have just the right number of projects coming up for the very first time. I've been self-employed for two years now, and I'm not looking to earn a fortune and fill up my days, 
but have just enough so I'll have space to use for writing and other creative endeavors. I run workshops as a trainer and facilitator, so everything got canceled or postponed to never. I got to really deeply value the connections I have within the facilitation community and with clients. The ones that stayed are the ones I'm focusing on now. I'm looking to give back to the community I'm in because they saved me in so many ways. I guess I learned to honor the connections that were real and let go of those that were hollow. I'm running all of my things virtually now, and honestly, I don't even want to go back. I feel much more connected with myself, like I got stripped of layers that were nicely wrapped about me, so wrapped I didn't even know what the core was. That's a strange and wonderful gift. Thanks for sharing that, Anya. Laura from Denmark writes, I got comfortable with discomfort. I think more than ever that life is like surfing. You have to ride the waves when they are there and wait patiently until the next ones come. And at no time are you in control of what direction you're moving in or how powerfully you can move forward. There's a sense that you can lean into it and make it go faster, but you can't really influence it in any other way. And if you try to, it won't work. You have to go with the flow. And sometimes there's a pleasure in that, in letting go and just trying to keep your balance, even with everything going on underneath. And just like when I'm surfing, I keep falling off, having bad weeks, but I just get back on and try again. I've accepted that that's how it's going to be now. The surfing metaphor really resonates with me. Back before the holidays in 2019, a friend whose partner is an illustrator gave me a card with this cartoon image of a wave on the front. And it's just this little animated wave riding a much more massive wave and saying, whoa. And as 2020 unfolded, the image just seemed more and more true as the year went along. This sense of an overwhelming lack of control in the face of Mother Nature. And all you could do is just go with the flow. Here's another one from Lisa in Maryland, who writes, A month before the state of Maryland issued stay-at-home orders to all residents, one of my dearest friends died unexpectedly. Not from coronavirus. A week later, I made the difficult decision to leave my part-time job. Had I waited a few more weeks, I would have likely lost my job anyway, as the business temporarily closed. Suddenly we were homebound, and I had all the time in the world to sit with my grief. On top of that, I was still taking my 81-year-old mother to dialysis three times a week and worrying about our household contracting the coronavirus. I was obsessively watching the news and taking screenshots of the escalating COVID-19 statistics. After several months of feeling sad, angry, and stuck, I decided to make the most of my predicament. I created a new Instagram account called Embrace the Lake and proceeded to do just that. My husband and I had lived on a lake for seven years, and while we loved it, I hadn't fully embraced all of the advantages of our environment. Having committed to posting photos of the lake and the surrounding area several times a week, I needed to get outdoors and take long walks on the lake trails, go kayaking try to stand up paddleboard, go swimming, and learn to slow down. I discovered that the more time I spent outside, the better I felt. The more I connected with nature, the more I healed. 
I read the book The Nature Fix by Florence Williams, which confirmed I was on the right track. Out of grief and fear, I have now made a lifelong commitment to feeling the sun on my face, hearing the rustle of the ground beneath my feet, looking up at the trees, and watching the light sparkle on the water's surface. I agree with Lisa about the deeply healing power of the natural world. I don't think it's an accident that we call her Mother Nature. When we reconnect with the natural world, there's a deep feeling of comfort and even self-mothering that comes with it. I actually interviewed Florence Williams about her book, The Nature Fix, which Lisa mentions. I'll post a link in the show notes if you'd like to tune in. In that episode, we talk about how spending time in nature affects almost everything. Your mood, your anxiety, and even your health outcomes. Of course, to even have access to nature is an incredible privilege. And this, too, is a point that Florence explores in her book. In particular, the unequal health outcomes that result from having or not having access to nature. Let's go now to a story from Abby in the Philippines who writes, I've learned to put my self-criticism aside on days that I don't do what is needed. This is rare, considering I've been the type to want to always excel and be on top of my to-do list. I've also learned the importance of empty days, especially days after a big project is out the door or I do a shop update. This strange gift of being more aware with my energy and well-being has helped me become more resilient and hopeful for the coming new year. I love that notion, just surrendering to the fact that we can't be our normal productive selves in a year like this. And even that maybe that's something we never should have been so focused on. Learning to be gentler with oneself is such a huge shift. I really hope others listening have found that gift in the past year too. Our next story comes from Juana in Romania, who is also someone who learned how to use technology in new ways and isn't interested in going back to the old days anymore. They write, my strange gift is learning how to deconstruct to build better. I've been a community builder for creative entrepreneurs since 2011. This year, offline events were off the table. While I consider myself quite skilled in bringing people together in real life, I knew little about how to do the same in the online arena. I'm more of a human-to-human glue than a promoter of digital time. Being in the same room makes it easier to express empathy, acceptance, and kindness. But how can I manifest belongingness through a screen? In 2020, I shaped a good enough answer to this question. I kicked off an online community around stories that make us better people. They're packed into a newsletter that promotes the values I stand for and that I wanted to convey to members. Those values are, number one, depth, and how we write the narratives, and how we deliver them, and how we respond to our members' reactions. Number two, transparency. We talk openly about our mistakes, our plans, our pitfalls, and our ambitions. Number three, a slow pace. Every decision we take is tailored to decrease the rhythm and help people take their time in reading, in replying, in engaging. So who said that an online community should be governed by speed and hurry and chaos? I learned how to shape a tribe on the opposite side of the spectrum. I would not have had the chance to find out if it wasn't 2020. 
Thanks for sharing. Here's another one from Chris in London, who writes, 2020 has absolutely taught me the value of saying no. I started the year full of beans and promise. I said yes to a lot of things, events, trips, work, etc. Then as the year went by, they all fell away, only to be replaced by other things that I ended up saying yes to, whether by design or by accident. Despite not being able to go anywhere, I found myself involved in so many extra projects, virtual events and Zoom calls. It sucked up all of my bandwidth and almost overwhelmed me. Now I find myself crawling across the finish line of 2020 and vowing that 2021 will be my year of saying no. Not in some horrible negative way, but simply acknowledging and respecting my boundaries so that I can make time for what is truly important to me in this new year. It might not seem like much, but that's a major life progress for me. So I'm choosing to embrace it and see the silver lining. I often say that productivity is really about what you don't do. So any shifts that allow you to start flexing that no muscle are huge in my book. Congratulations, Chris. Let's go to Lori in Minnesota, who writes, The strange gift that I got from 2020 was liking myself and learning to enjoy spending time alone. You see, like most people, I rushed through my day. Work, dinner, kids' activities or volunteer activities, reading occasionally, and then bedtime. I never really spent any time alone. In 2020, both kids' activities and volunteer activities came to a screeching halt, and I had to develop new activities to occupy myself. With the kids, we reinvented game night and puzzles. But alone, I really struggled. Spending time alone helped me realize I was harboring resentment towards two of my friends for events that occurred two or three years ago. I wrote to each of them explaining how I felt and what specifically was bothering me. One responded positively, and the other didn't respond at all. But by getting it off my chest, I felt better. I also needed to find solo activities to keep myself entertained. This involved more reading, crocheting, knitting, wiping the dust off, and playing the piano, as well as exploring a few Netflix series. I also sent out Christmas cards for the first time in over 10 years. I used to get all the beautifully written letters and pictures of families and feel that my broken family, I'm a single mom of two daughters, didn't measure up. But this year I realized that my family isn't broken. We are beautiful in our own way and still deserve to be displayed on the fireplace mantle, refrigerator, or wherever else you put your Christmas cards. Most of all, the best unexpected gift I've been given is that of acceptance of myself, my family, and everyone else just trying to get by in these challenging times. Lori's story really resonated for me. I'm not sure if any of you have had this experience as well, but I too had a couple of friend situations that needed some love or forgiveness or release, but I think only unfolded because of the unusual circumstances of this year and the level of self-reflection that it sparked. One was an old friend who I'd fallen out with who reached out to me, and another was me reaching out to a friend I'd been estranged from. In both situations, we were able to find resolution and forgiveness. Carrying a grudge just seemed extravagant and unnecessary in the face of a year of such hardship and uncertainty. Here's another story from Agnieszka in Basel, Switzerland, who sent me a really lovely video. She says, In 2020, I stopped running away and finally faced my oldest friends. Fear, loneliness, and insecurity. 
I lost my corporate job as a digital marketer, broke up with my partner, and got into serious conflict with my family. The global pandemic came exactly at the middle of this and made things even more complicated. With no new job prospects, unemployed, with a broken heart, and extremely lonely, I went back to an art practice that I had deserted years ago. Creative work in the studio has always been a refuge for me. This year, it became my full-time healing space. The discipline of painting every day helped me go through the hardest moments. Finally, I had the time and space to reconcile with my childhood fears and desperate need for safety and companionship, which were my silent advisors for years. I finally recognized my overblown conformism and pleasing attitude, all of my attempts to fit into a role not tailored for me in both my professional and love life. At the entrance of 2021, I still neither have a job, model family relations, nor a boyfriend, but I did gain much more than I lost. I found myself. Beautiful. And so many stories I've heard from people, these two themes emerge. Throwing off conformism and the need to be a people pleaser and finding solace in or just reactivating a creative practice or finding time for, as we used to call them in the olden days, hobbies, crafting projects, so forth. Earlier, we touched on the manifold possibilities of technology that we've discovered through the pandemic. But I think the other discovery has been a return to analog and the embodiment that comes with it. To spend less time on Netflix or Hulu and more time painting or knitting or cooking. Getting away from screens and back to the hand. And as we do, I think some of that conformism can fall away. Because we get so many cues to conform from our screens, from trying to seem likable on social media, from feeling that we must respond to other people's demands on email, from reading self-improvement articles about how to be our best self. Loosening the knots of that pull to conform and beginning to carve your own path is such a gift. We have to take a quick break now to thank our incredible sponsors, but we'll be back with more stories from listeners right after the jump. This episode is brought to you by Hey. Let's be honest, email sucks, primarily because it hardly gives you any control over your inbox. It's like there's some weird set of shadow rules we all have to follow that's designed to benefit the sender, not you, the receiver. Fortunately, that dark era is over now. Email's new heyday is here. Thanks to the friendly folks at Basecamp who have completely redesigned the inbox with their new product, Hey. The main goal? To give control over your email back to you. Hey offers a slew of why didn't my email do that before style features, like ones that allow you to screen your emails like you screen your calls. Add private notes to self to any email thread. Create collections of messages and share them with your team for projects. Queue up emails for a focused reply later session. And send large files without using outside apps. It's hard to choose, but a few of my favorite personal tricks are the ability to merge separate emails into one thread, easily set up a hello at or info at email address, and the fact that Hey blocks spyware on emails and tells you when people are using it. Finally, a genuinely thoughtful approach to email. 
Visit Hey.com now to start a free 14-day trial and experience email's new heyday. Once again, that's H-E-Y.com for a free 14-day trial. This episode is also brought to you by Hover. Every idea deserves the perfect domain name. At Hover.com, you can browse hundreds of options for domain name extensions with lightning speed and then instantly lock in the one that's the right fit for you. What about .inc, for example? Millions of trusted brands from small startups to enterprise businesses now use the .inc extension to communicate trust, credibility, and professionalism. It's the new premium extension for businesses that want to be taken seriously. Whatever extension you choose, Hover can help you find, purchase, and administer your own little patch of the internet. And they do it with style. Their easy-to-use interface works like a dream, and you don't have to be a tech nerd to understand it. Heck, I created two new functional CNAME records last week, and I don't even know what a CNAME is. Because that's how easy Hover makes it. Plus, Whois Privacy is included for free with every domain. You get renewal discounts for hosting multiple domains with them. And Hover Connect can help you connect your new domain to a variety of popular website builders with just a few clicks. If you've got an idea you're passionate about, start laying the groundwork now by heading on over to hover.com slash hurry slowly to get 10% off your first purchase. Once again, that's H-O-V-E-R dot com slash hurry slowly. Chelsea in California wrote that she received the gifts of patience, trust, and appreciation. She says, I got pregnant in May and then started having some complications a few months in. I needed to go on modified bed rest and then full bed rest for two months, which for a very active person was quite difficult. And difficult for my husband as well to balance caregiving with his job. But patience seemed like the task for everyone in 2020. We did our best to keep a good attitude and trust that the various pieces of the puzzle, my body, my doctors, our baby, God, would each do their role and things would work out. In the end, we lost the baby at five months. But the trust was warranted. It seemed this pregnancy was not destined to go full term. And we feel like we gained an angel and a valuable life experience. We've been amazed at hearing how many people we know have gone through pregnancy loss. Appreciation. Bodies are incredible. From knowing how to create a human being to being able to heal itself, I am now in constant awe of mine. Freedom of movement ought never to be taken for granted. After experiencing bed rest and total dependence, I am deeply grateful for walking and bike riding and cooking. Friends and family. We are eternally grateful to our loved ones who were there for us beyond what we could have dreamed. The present. The doctors advised us to take a break for a while and eventually try again. We don't know what will happen in the future, but sitting at our kitchen table, just the two of us having Thanksgiving dinner and drinking wine while we FaceTimed people last week, we laughed and marveled at the strange gift of that moment. Thank you, Chelsea. What a journey to embodied awareness and appreciation. Brittany in Portland, Oregon, wrote in to share this story. Last year, I stopped believing in the religion of my upbringing, but I didn't want to hurt my family and friends, so I kept attending church 
and faking it. It was painful to hide my authentic self and participate in a church that I disagreed with. However, I didn't realize the extent of my hurt until suddenly I didn't have to contend with it anymore. The pandemic hit, churches closed, and I got to stay home and reclaim my Sunday mornings. I hadn't fully seen the stress and anxiety that faking belief was causing me until it was gone. It's been a tender relief to have more open conversations with my family, and this experience has inspired me to be braver in other areas of my life. I feel more capable and more creative when I live with my authentic self. And 2020 has given me unexpected opportunities to practice asking for what I really need. 2020 has taught me how much setting boundaries can do for self-care, and I plan to bring more of that into the new year. I'm sure that for many people, closing churches was a huge blow to their social and spiritual lives. But for me, it was a gift. Again, another release from conforming to others' expectations. Thank you for sharing that, Brittany. Todd from the Bay Area writes, For me, 2020 was a psychological awakening. I already knew my life involved too much rushing around and flitting about. But when everything stopped, I was hit with a question. What would I now replace the busyness, the rushing around with? The answers came gradually and organically, as you might expect. When my car battery died in front of a local donut shop, two young activists from nearby Oakland gave me a jump and told me why they were in my neighborhood. They were collecting fresh loaves of bread for Oakland's homeless from local families in Marin. I immediately volunteered to help and thus began my new love of bread baking. I spent more time with my journal capturing ideas or random insights and sketching things that intrigued me. The anti-masker movement inspired me to research and sketch out a mental model for how societies adapt or fail to adapt. I became consistent in my meditation practice. I spent more time talking to my two sons. I watered the garden, both literally and figuratively. In short, I replaced doing with being. And I gotta tell you, it feels fantastic. And it made me realize that true wealth is best measured not by what you have, but by how you spend your time. Amen, Todd. Thanks for sharing. Elizabeth in Australia wrote in to say, I am a psychotherapist. The strangest gifts of the pandemic include seeing inside my beloved clients' homes, seeing their families, their pets, and their gardens. People now do therapy from home and sometimes from their car, and it is a remarkable shift. I feel lucky to be brought into their personal worlds in this other way. And for the most part, I believe I see people accessing more safety at home. I think for many, this means working more deeply in therapy. Men crying, women shouting their rage, dreams, fantasies, and memories coming more easily. What a gift. I love this story. Another revelation in what technology and remote connection can do. I'm very lucky to feel that my home is a safe space where I can relax and be myself. And what a wonder to hear how this carries over to therapy, that people can do even deeper work when they're able to do it in their natural habitat, in their safe space. Really marvelous. Here's a story from Anonymous in Canada, who writes, In early March, my depression was so bad, I knew I needed help. 
I found it, and I got great care. I was released from the hospital on Friday, March 13th, when my city, province, and country locked down. Strangely, it was the perfect time to start my recovery. I participated in group therapy via Zoom, started practicing mindfulness meditation, and 2020 has turned out to be a great year for me. I'm enjoying life in a way I haven't ever as an adult. Ironically, it's helped me support my friends during their difficult time. What a turnaround. Thank you. This is from Marianne on Vancouver Island. Before March, I would have said I was a very huggy person. I used hugging as a bridge to connect to other people, friends, family, and often strangers or customers in the store I work in. After COVID hit, I had to relearn how to communicate without touch. I had to slow down, really listen, and be in the moment with the other person. I think the interactions have been much deeper because of this, and I certainly hope to continue being this mindful going forward. I love this transition of seeing social distancing not as a painful imposition, but as an opportunity to be even more present with people in new ways. Really beautiful. Here's a story from Leila in Spain. She writes, I was happy to stay home and safe, but I felt extremely vulnerable in terms of basic necessities. I didn't lack anything, but I couldn't help feeling mad about living in a city where I couldn't provide for myself. I decided in April that I would definitely move to the countryside at some point in my life where I could gain basic resilience. But I didn't feel ready at all, so I decided it would just be a long-term goal. This decision came in handy in October when I was watching Kiss the Ground on Netflix. I thought, damn, I must be an agronomist to do my part to help the world. I must heal the land. I'm pretty sure if I hadn't gone through the pandemic, I wouldn't have had the courage to go back to school to study science. I hadn't studied science for 12 years and to picture myself in the countryside. But going through the pandemic gave me courage and I enrolled in an agronomy university a few days after watching the documentary. Yes, I was that easy to convince. This seems to be of a piece with another trend I've observed in 2020. People getting back to the land and a rising consciousness about wanting to be able to care for ourselves in terms of basic necessities. I myself am on the cusp of returning to sewing and fashioning clothes after a roughly 25-year break. And I know numerous friends who've started or expanded their gardens, or others who are just considering small ways to be more self-sufficient. Perhaps these shifts started out of fear, but I'm hoping they'll stick into the new era, which is what I now call the time when we will be able to break free from the pandemic constraints and move back into the world in a new way. Next is a story from Catherine, who says, I'm a nomadic soul who has pretty much always been on the move, never setting down roots and prepared to leave at a moment's notice. This year has taught me the value of stillness and commitment. Though my romantic relationship didn't survive covid perhaps an early but inevitable split, another important one has taken shape with my very first pet. A lifetime animal lover, I had always prioritized travel and flexibility over a stable home for a four-legged friend. But as the whole world began to shut down in March, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was finally time. My little companion has unleashed my inner cat lady. In fact, 
I write this in my new fleece Christmas cat pajamas. Every day he teaches me the necessity of rest and play, of strict boundaries and high standards. He's shown me that staying put with the right company isn't so bad after all. What a wonderful gift, the unconditional love of a pet. I'm not even going to get started on how much I love my dogs and my cat, because I could just spend the entire rest of the podcast talking about the joy of having animals in your life. But if you're looking for a portal into being more present or in your body or more in nature, adopting a pet is a great way to invite that energy in. Unlike humans, they are never too busy to pay attention to you or the world around them. Here's another one from Wendy in Australia. As a yoga instructor, I stretch and I teach others how to stretch. The key I have learned on how to deepen your stretch is by surrendering and breathing into the softness of your body. Forcing yourself into a stretch doesn't work and often comes with cramp. Letting gravity do the work for you and slowly softening into it results in a pleasant release of tension. I learned that dealing with COVID is much like a deep stretch. Trying to force your way through it results in a cramp of tension, whereas surrender resulted for me in a relief of tension and a certain comfort in the space I allowed to happen. Breathe in to create space. Breathe out to move into that space. Thank you, Wendy. Let's move on to a response from Elise, who says, Everyone has been sharing how they feel behind due to the pandemic. I felt behind before the days of COVID and was constantly aware of time passing. I turned 29 during the pandemic, and before that, it was all about what I would have or which life milestone boxes would be checked off by age 30. As a Virgo over planner, I knew when I wanted my relationship to become a marriage and knew when I quote unquote had to have children by. The gift the pandemic has given me is freedom from being constantly responsible for time. The very beginning of the pandemic triggered PTSD from the loss of my brother a few years ago, and I feared people close to me would contract the virus and pass away. The severe lack of control and imagining the worst somehow released me from my own bottom-line-driven foreman. The unpredictability of this year has allowed me to lean into the unfolding rather than keep score and judgment from the sidelines. It makes all of these self-imposed deadlines seem so small and silly. Surrender is a rare and strange gift. As Wendy and Elise both note, getting acquainted with surrender may well be the most potent and challenging gift of this pandemic. Here's another story from Anonymous in Illinois. They write, I work for a school. My department chairperson has verbally and emotionally abused the two other professional members of my department and me for the five years she's held that position. She is otherwise respected and admired by district and building administrators. We have held and swallowed her dirty little secret, quite frankly, in the hopes that she'll move up and away from our department. Our students spent three weeks in the building in October. Our first morning back, our department chair lashed out at my coworkers and me. I realized, much to my astonishment and dismay, that I had nowhere left 
to store her fury. I told her the way she speaks to us makes me uncomfortable. The conversation that followed was combative on her part, but cooler than I ever knew possible on mine. She knew she'd been caught and called out. We've since had a conversation where she listened to my coworkers say everything we've needed to say. We've returned to a remote teaching schedule, so we haven't been together much aside from Zoom meetings. There's much work to be done, but she knows I won't take her abuse any longer. And finally, I do too. I had nowhere left to store her fury. What a powerful phrase. Thanks for sharing your story of breaking out of a pattern and speaking up for yourself. Such a huge shift. When Lynn, who lives in Italy, wrote in to say, I love yoga, I love teaching yoga, and I'm damn good at it. But what I love even more is guiding new teachers to share the benefits of yoga and meditation with confidence and impact. And this I would not have ever realized if the pandemic hadn't broken out. I'd not have transitioned to teaching online and connected with others from outside the community I live in. For this, I am grateful. We spend so much of our time avoiding uncomfortable situations, pushing back unresolved issues. When the pandemic broke out, all the seams that hadn't been sewn properly started to break. Political and economic systems built on unstable foundations started to collapse. Individuals with unresolved issues, problems, pushed to the back of their minds and hearts, were forced to confront them. 2020 was a year of discomfort. The thing I am most grateful for is that I learned not to run away from this discomfort, to instead stay in the change and rise to the challenge. Thanks, Wenlin. Let's hope that we can all continue to stay in the change and rise to the challenge in the coming year. As you noted, 2020 saw all the seams that hadn't been properly sewn start to split open, creating outrage, sparking protest, and opening up powerful new conversations about change. But now we have the work of envisioning what a better world could look like and beginning to knit those seams back together. And even when the pandemic passes, it's not going to be the end. 2021 is just going to be the start of building something new. Naomi in Florida writes, I'm going to say the biggest positive was finding out that I'm tougher and more creative than I thought. I was out of work for two months from my day job, so I turned to writing to make money. I took on a few projects that I was sure I would suck at because it's not what I normally do, and also one where I didn't really know what I was doing at all and sort of faked the whole thing. Surprise, I did just fine. And double surprise, I'm good at something I told myself that I'm not. I also got into a new work, exercise, life rhythm, which worked out pretty well, except I drank too much, but my liver forgave me. And now we're friends again. I'm pretty sure this year will be one of the worst I will have to deal with in my life. So now I know I won't crumble when the going gets really tough. And I might even learn a thing or two about what I'm good at. Thanks, Naomi. This is something that really resonated with me from 2020 as well. Feeling a new freedom to experiment and let go of perfectionism. Because of all the uncertainty, I think 2020 had a sort of makeshift feel to it. They made it feel easier to take creative risks. Hopefully that spirit will live on in the new era. We're going to need it. 
This is a story from Lynn in Philadelphia. He writes, It's always been my dream to work from home, and this pandemic granted me that wish. Adjusting has been easy for me as an introverted internet nerd who is already spending a lot of time creating an isolation. Because of this, I was able to offer space this year to those who needed help adjusting. I created virtual co-working and creative spaces for my LGBTQIA community to come together for peer support and to just meet new folks and socialize digitally. With the extra time on my hands, I've been able to do lots of reflecting, meditating, and realigning to manifest new levels for my projects and received an offer for my dream job. I'm very aware of the privileges granted to me and am extremely grateful to be in the position I am in and want to continue doing whatever I can to help uplift my community and those around me. I think this is a good story to end on. Lynn's point about being conscious of our privilege is spot on. I can't speak for anyone else, but I am certainly experiencing this pandemic from a place of privilege. And I expect many of you listening are as well. To be able to work from home, to have the financial stability of being able to work remotely, to have our health, to have friends and family who are largely safe and sound, to have the time and bandwidth to do self-reflection. These are the first gifts. Before we get to the gifts of what realizations we came to with all of that extra time and space and stability that we are so privileged to have. And hopefully all of these advantages lead us to ask a question similar to Lynn's as we head into the new year. How can I uplift my community and those around me? How can I pay forward all of the blessings that I have received? How can I plant the seeds for the new era I want to see? One way to start this holiday season is by donating to a cause or community you care about. By the time the CARES Act expires here in the U.S. the day after Christmas, over 16 million people will lose their weekly benefits or will have already had those benefits cut off. At the time I'm writing this, it's unclear what future financial support our government is going to lend them, if any. There's talk of extending the already reduced $300 weekly checks into the spring of 2021, but it's unclear if Congress will pass this measure. We're still, the CDC's moratorium on evictions is still set to expire on December 31st. Millions of people already struggling to make ends meet might be forced out of their homes and apartments, making them even more vulnerable to contracting COVID-19. Also at the time of this writing, ICU beds across the U.S. are nearly full capacity. For many Americans, there have been few, if any, gifts in 2020. Some hardships cannot be transmuted into a positive lesson. If you'd like to pay your gifts forward, visit hurryslowly.co slash relief for ideas on how you can help. I've compiled a list of ways to donate to diverse communities, LGBTQ+, BIPOC, veterans, artists, restaurant workers, immigrants, the homeless, and more. Once again, that's hurryslowly.co slash relief for guidance on where to donate and how you can help folks in need. Thanks for listening, and I wish you a safe and loving 
socially distanced holiday season. 